Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 669 for the 17th of November, 2019. This week, the 2020 version of On One Photo Raw has some surprising features, but it hasn't entirely eliminated performance problems that I found last year. In short circuits, Windows 10 has a silly annoyance I've been trying to fix for far too long, and now I've found a partial solution that at least reduces the frustration. Development continues on the Chromium-based version of Microsoft's Edge browser, and a beta version that's sufficiently stable for those who want to see how it works is available. In spare parts, only on the website, too many companies are still transferring files that often contain proprietary information insecurely. If you find that you're locked out of your smartphone, phone rescue might be what you need to get back to normal. And 20 years ago, I wrote about disk drives that were so small you might misplace them. Compared to today's disk drives, they were physically larger, far more expensive, and able to store only a tiny fraction of what today's drives hold. The first edition of On One Photo Raw's 2019 release had some significant performance issues. Those were largely resolved in an update. Now the 2020 version has been released. I've been working with a beta version since early October, and it is more of a contender than last year, but it does still have some performance problems. Perhaps you've wondered why I don't just schedule a gigantic review, examine all of the photo applications, and pronounce one of them the best. Well, that's not possible. The person who would consider Photoshop Elements to be the best is a substantially different user than one who would consider On One Photo Raw or Movavi Photo Editor to be the best. Instead, I've tried to examine each of the various photo applications to determine how well they perform the tasks they present as their primary advantages. On One Photo Raw is a raw processor, obviously, and a photo manager with non-destructive editing and layers to selectively apply modifications. The 2020 version offers nearly 20 new features that On One boasts about. Some of them are a little bit silly, but others are quite useful. One that I consider somewhat silly is the artificial intelligence match that On One describes this way. Match how your raw photos look to what you saw on the back of your camera. Now, this seems to be a feature that's intended to please someone who heard that all photos should be shot in RAW instead of JPEG, didn't bother to learn the differences between RAW and JPEG, took a bunch of RAW photos, and is now severely distressed that they all appear dull and lifeless compared to what they saw on the back of their camera. Well, yes, they do. That's because the image on the back of the camera is a processed JPEG file, and the RAW image is... yeah... It's a raw image. Think of it this way. A JPEG image is kind of like going to a Mexican restaurant and ordering a quesadilla. You get what you get. If the restaurant is good, the quesadilla will be delicious, but it might not be exactly what you'd make at home. A raw image is like the ingredients for a quesadilla that you make at home with the exact spices that you prefer. 
You have to decide how to combine the ingredients and add the spices to get what you want. Raw images have all of the information the camera's sensor could provide, but nothing has been emphasized. No spices have been added. The AI match is simply an attempt to make the first image the user sees one that's more like the processed image displayed on the camera. Because it is a raw image, the user still has the ability to make a lot of changes. A similar new feature, Artificial Intelligence Autotone, is similar to AI Match and corresponds with Lightroom's Auto setting. The new On1 algorithm does a better job than it did a year ago. On1 says that by analyzing thousands of photos, the algorithm has learned how to do a better job, particularly on rough images. The application is supposed to detect the camera and the lens in use and automatically apply lens corrections. On1's lens corrections are very good, but this doesn't always work. When I don't want to take along a digital SLR camera, I usually carry a Sony RX100 Mark VI. It's a small camera, but it still has a lot of the settings found on larger cameras. However, when I load images in On1 Photo Raw, the application indicates that lens corrections have been made, but no corrections have actually been made. That's because the process detects the manufacturer, but not the lens. I pop open the interface and see lens. No match. Even though the built-in lens on the camera is shown in the program's drop-down list. After I manually select the lens from PhotoRaw's list, the image is corrected. But users shouldn't have to do that. Custom camera profiles are likely to be popular with pros and advanced amateurs. Every camera is unique, and I don't just mean differences between makes of cameras or even different models from the same manufacturer. Every camera lens combination is slightly different, and on one PhotoRAW 2020's custom profiles go a long way toward taming those differences. Using the feature requires buying an X-Rite color checker for $100 or more, but using the X-Rite system to create a custom profile and then using that profile inside PhotoRAW ensures consistent color results. So those are looks at both ends of the spectrum. One feature for those who don't want to spend the time learning how to work with raw images, and another for experts who want to ensure correct colors in all their photos. There are lots of features between those two extremes. So we'll take a quick look at some of the other features, things that are inside this program. One amusing new feature allows users to change the weather with a variety of rain, snow, and fog overlays. Now, don't try to turn a bright, sunny day into a snowy day. That just won't make any sense. You'll have a blizzard in the foreground, no snow accumulation on the ground. Just, it won't look right. The feature can be used well, though, and convincingly, to emphasize weather in the right conditions. Several years ago, when my younger daughter was considering college in New York City, we visited some of the schools she was looking at in January. There was a lot of snow, so much snow that the schools closed early the day we arrived. At Rockefeller Center, there was snow on the ground, but none in the air, even though it had been snowing heavily on Fifth Avenue just moments before we walked back to the skating rink. The photo I captured was nice enough, but I thought that some foreground snow would replicate the feeling we had when we were there. Be sure to check out those images on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Now, should we consider this lying? I don't think so. 
After all, it had been snowing heavily, and it had been snowing just moments before I took those pictures. I do have some pictures of my wife and daughter very close to Rockefeller Center, and there's a lot of snow in the foreground. So lying? Nah, I don't think so. High dynamic range processing isn't new in this version, but it is faster than it was in the 2019 version. The process works the same as before. Select the images you plan to merge, usually three or five images, with varying exposures. It's best to use a tripod for the series, but PhotoRAW can align images that have been taken carefully with a handheld camera. The HDR process examines the photos and merges them in a way that attempts to maintain good exposure in the resulting image. When the HDR image has been created, a process that took less than 30 seconds this year, the user then has the opportunity to make additional tweaks or add layered effects on top of the composite image. And looking a little bit toward the future, ON1 is working on a bunch of other applications that will be released within the next few months, probably before mid-2020. ON1 Photo Mobile 2020 for iOS and Android. This is the first step to place ON1 in direct competition with Adobe Lightroom by allowing users to capture raw images on smartphones. ON1 Sync. That's the second part of ON1's competition with Adobe. It will be an extra cost add-on that will allow users to store photos in the cloud and synchronize them across devices. ON1 Video 2020. Video editing is something that ON1 has not offered previously. A public beta of the application is expected by the end of the year. ON1 positions it as an application that doesn't require the user to master the complexities of video editing. And ON1 Plus and ON1 Plus Pro. These are annual subscription services that provide educational videos, free ebooks and presets, and more. Subscribers to the Pro version will also receive automatic updates to the applications. On one Photo Raw 2020 is priced at $80 for those who are upgrading from a previous version, $100 for new users. For a limited time, and On One doesn't say how long that limited time is, the application is bundled with 100 presets. A single On One Photo Raw license works with both Mac OS and Windows, and it can be activated on up to five computers. There's a free 30-day trial available. However, there's always a fly in the ointment, isn't there? No matter how good a program is, there's always something to complain about. One problem that seems to vex some users, but not all, is slow operation. The first release of the 2019 version was unusably slow for a lot of people, but the mid-year update helped. The 2020 version seems more responsive generally, but there are still some problems. I have a lot of photos on the computer, and that's probably the case with a lot of people who will consider on one photo raw. For me, a lot of photos equates to something more than 100,000. Photo raw creates a cache of all those images, and by default, it is placed on the C drive in the app data folder. That turned out to be a big problem for me. The computer's boot drive, a solid state device, is relatively small, just 500 gigabytes. And the cache files consumed more than 150 gigabytes, about a third of the disk space. That created two problems. First, it consumed all that space on a small boot drive. And second, it extended the amount of time needed to back up the boot drive and exceeded the amount of space I had on the backup device. During the installation process, the application really should notify users that it plans to place a large cache file on the boot drive. Had that been done, I would have specified an alternate location. 
the application's default choices simply are not acceptable. Now, it's easy enough to move the cache to another location. I wanted the 169 gigabytes of cache files to be stored on the F drive. Easy enough to accomplish in the settings dialog, but the process took 4 hours and 40 minutes. I hope the developers add alerts to the application's installation process and also add notifications when the user selects folders to watch. Also on the downside, the cache files compare very unfavorably to Lightroom's catalog. The 105,683 photo files on drive D consume some 666 gigabytes. Lightroom's catalogs add 80,392 files to the F drive and consume just under 82 gigabytes of space. Compare that to On One Photo Raw. 1,030,700 files added to that drive. They consume 169 gigabytes of disk space. I've also found that simply starting on One Photo Raw 2020 causes an extended period of high disk access, about 20 minutes, during which the system performance is degraded. That's followed by another hour's worth of disk access that affects performance minimally, but it happens every time I open the application. Some performance problems still exist, too. When I attempted to export an image as a full-size JPEG, On One Photo Raw swamped both the computer's CPU and RAM. After more than 15 minutes, I killed the On One Photo Raw application and rebooted the computer. After making sure that other applications that might consume significant amounts of CPU or memory resources were disabled, I tried it again, and the result was the same. But there is some good news here. There is another option called Quick Export. It seems to actually export images quickly. There are no options to resize the image, but at least the process runs to completion in less than 30 seconds. It might be worth noting here that the computer I use has an Intel Xeon 2.8 GHz 8-core system with 64 GB of RAM. On One recommends an Intel Core i5, a Xeon, or better, with 8 GB of RAM, so clearly the system it's running on far exceeds the recommendations. Because not all users experience these performance problems, it is likely that the root cause has several components. On one Photo Raw 2020, hardware, protective applications, possibly other running applications, and background processes. Despite the application's feature set, I can't give it my highest recommendation. So the bottom line is four cats. On one makes an ambitious effort with Photo Raw 2020, but it doesn't always succeed. As much as I'd like to say this is a five cat program, for many people, it simply won't be. Some users have no performance problems at all. And I really need to stress that, because when I look around on various websites for answers to problems, I find two kinds of people. There are people who consistently have performance problems, and there are people who have absolutely no performance problems. If you're a new user, it's important to take advantage of the free trial program to confirm that it will run well on your hardware. There's a great deal to like here. An amazing amount to like here, but only if it runs well on your computer. You'll find additional details on the On One website, and there's a link there from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. 
It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In spare parts, Microsoft makes it possible for Windows users to create a slideshow that runs on the desktop, silently changing images every minute or 10 minutes or 30 minutes or every one hour or six hours or once a day. If you like this feature, but you find that Windows periodically reverts to just a single image, there is a way to fix it permanently, more or less. Although I like the slideshow, I don't really pay a lot of attention to it because both screens are normally filled with applications. The directory that contains the images for the slideshow has more than 240 pictures. I've set it to change every 10 minutes. Because I don't watch the desktop images carefully, I didn't notice when the slideshow stopped. Invariably, it did, though, and each screen would have a single static image. Then when I noticed it, I needed to revisit settings to change the background type from picture to slideshow, navigate to the directory with the slideshow images, and fix several other settings. Eventually, this minor annoyance elevated itself to, okay, I need to fix this status. A little research suggested that the problem occurred when the Windows theme was synchronized with other computers. I turned theme syncing off and went back to work, confident that the minor annoyance was gone. But it wasn't. When I realized that the background images were static again, I went back to settings and changed the background type from picture to slideshow, navigated to the directory with the slideshow images, and fixed several other settings again. Several iterations later, this still minor annoyance had elevated itself to, okay, now I really need to fix this status. That, of course, called for more research. Along the way, I found that this is an annoyance for a lot of people. And fixing it is relatively simple unless your computer is running Windows 10 Home. You need the Group Policy Editor, and it is not included with the Home version of Windows. If you have the Home version of Windows 10 and you want to fix this annoyance, TechSpot describes how to install the Group Policy Editor or how to install a free open source application that does what the Group Policy Editor does. You'll find a link to TechSpot this week from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. To fix the annoyance permanently, more or less, start by updating the settings so that they're the way you want them to be. Then open the Group Policy Editor by pressing the Windows key, typing GPEDIT, GPEdit, and selecting Edit Group Policy. Expand the administrative templates by clicking the disclosure mark, expand Control Panel, and then select Personalization in the left panel. Right-click Prevent Changing Lock Screen and Log On Image and select Edit from the context menu. Mark the policy Enabled, then click OK, close the Group Policy Editor, and the problem will now be gone. At least until Microsoft does something to make it return. Note, however, that Windows 10 still occasionally switches back to individual image mode. At least now it happens a lot less frequently. You 
You already know that Microsoft is dropping its proprietary display engine in the Edge browser and switching to Chromium. It's not yet quite fully baked, and anybody who wants to have a say about how the new browser will work can do so by installing the version that is still being developed. You actually have three choices, Beta, Dev, and Canary. The beta channel has the most stable version and is updated at six-month intervals, but it hadn't been available until recently. If you want to take a look and still avoid the most serious bugs, you'll want the beta channel. The dev build is the right choice for those who want to see the newest work and won't be bothered by some bugs. Updates are issued weekly there. For the most adventurous, there is the Canary build. That's updated daily and is therefore the least stable. Download any of the three versions from Microsoft's website. You'll find a link to the right place on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The Edge Insider program is available for users of Windows 7, 8, 8.1, and 10, and also for the Mac OS. The homepage includes icons for quickly launching often visited sites. What may not be immediately apparent, though, is that by scrolling down, you'll see news, sports, finance, and lifestyle stories. The contents of the page can be customized. And there is no scroll bar. That seems odd. Perhaps it'll be added later, or maybe Microsoft presumes that by swiping on touch-enabled devices and using the scroll wheel on a mouse for desktop devices obviates the need for the scroll bar. Those who have used Chrome will see a lot of familiar icons and menus. One difference, of course, is that plugins and extensions for Edge are served from the Microsoft Store. Also, unlike the Chrome browser, only 130 or so extensions are currently listed. That'll increase over time. Every website page I've examined with the Chromium-powered Edge browser displays properly. Microsoft hasn't announced plans for when the new browser will replace the old browser in Windows 10, other than to say that the switch will be made when the new Edge browser is stable enough for production use. In other words, they have no clue. I haven't made Chromium Edge my default browser, and probably won't do so even when it is stable enough for production use. Chrome is currently my primary browser with Firefox as a backup. Many people, and I'm one of them, switch between Chrome and Firefox as their primary browser, depending on each browser's features and foibles at any particular time. You can use the Chromium-based Edge, or any other browser, to view spare parts, but you do need a browser because that section is only on the website. This week, too many companies are still transferring files that often contain proprietary information insecurely. If you find you're locked out of your smartphone, phone rescue might be what you need to get back to normal. And 20 years ago, I wrote about disk drives that were so small you might misplace them. Compared to today's disk drives, they were physically larger, far more expensive, and able to store only a tiny fraction of what today's drives hold. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.